Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Now, welcome to the Book Riot Podcast. We're back with episode 370. It's a new format for one of these bonus episodes. That I, don't, I broached it a, a few months ago. I mm-hmm. can't remember, Rebecca, when I brought this up. One thing we used to do on the show was, um, you know, new release corner. I think Rebecca was in charge of that, where we talk about the books coming out that week, which got spun off into the All the Books podcast, which is, you know, more people like that than this one, but that's fine. That's fine. That's okay. That's how it's supposed to work, I guess. It's fine. Um, (laughs) But we haven't done yet. I always wanted to do a segment about book deals that have been announced. Sometimes if there's something especially exciting where there's an announcement about a book coming out, we'll talk about it on the show, but it really has to be, well, what's Jack by Marilyn Robinson, right? That mm-hmm. was kind of a breaking news sort of a situation. But it really has to be like a supernova, but there's some shooting stars in the night sky that are worth pausing to notice. So what I've done, and Rebecca has no foreknowledge <laughs> of what I've, I've done here, which is my favorite thing. I know Rebecca you love has this no game. foreknowledge, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> Of what the titles are going to be. So I'm going to give her the pitches and I'm just going to have, we're just going to talk about it for a few minutes. So, so I, I must confess that some of them are picked for me, just for me. Some of them are sort of picked for Rebecca to be excited about. And some of them are for both of us and some of them just you know, more generally interesting. Um, I don't think you follow this news closely, Rebecca. Am I right? Not super closely. Like when mm. a big deal bubbles up, you know, somebody got seven figures for something or when right. it's, you know, like Marilyn Robinson's an author that we follow. I will note that and do usually it's just like private Muppet arms about it. But mm-hmm. this is not stuff that I follow on a regular basis. No. So just for the, in terms of provenance, where these come from, um, Publishers Lunch, Publishers Weekly, various news sources. I subscribe to a whole bunch of news sorts of things and publisher newsletters and everything like that. Some of this um, is directly the blurbage is from the publisher or editor or wherever you know, they're, they're trying to pitch these. You release this mm-hmm. because you want people to know about it. Like mm-hmm. You're not going to get every interesting book that's coming out over the next two years. Some of these books, I think, aren't coming out until 2022 because they've already been announced under some sort of contract. Or they don't really need to do it at this point for whatever reason. So it's not the it's not a predictive tool necessarily. It's just fun, and that's what we're here for. Um, but before we get into it, let me take a break for a sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by WW Norton and Company Incorporated. So Negative Space by Jillian Linden follows a week in the life of an English teacher at a New York private school. At home, her children ask constant questions about mortality and her husband offers occasional counsel between Zoom calls. At school, something happens. She accidentally witnesses an ambiguous, possibly inappropriate interaction between a teacher and a student. But how can she be sure of what she saw? Negative Space is a portrait of a woman caught between the pressures of what's normal and what isn't, and examines what we owe the people who depend on us in a fractured and indifferent world. It's a debut novel and a short novel. It's perfect if you want something quick and easy to carry around, but it's also thought-provoking. It takes place during the pandemic, but it's not pandemic-focused, and it really just looks at everyday anxieties and low-threat situations that have high consequences. 
So make sure to check out Negative Space by Jillian Linden. And thanks again to WW Norton and Company Incorporated for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Charming, easygoing, and rich, Xavier Castillo has the world at his fingertips. He also has no interest in taking over his family's empire, but that hasn't stopped women from throwing themselves at him. Unless, of course, the woman in question is his publicist. The cool, the intelligent, the ambitious Sloan Kensington, who is a high-powered publicist who's used to dealing with difficult clients, but none infuriate or tempt her more than a certain billionaire heir with his stupid dimples and laid-back attitude. She may be forced to work with him, but she'll never fall for him because he's a client and that's all he'll ever be, right? Right, girl, like we all know. So just in case you didn't know, author Anna Wong is the best-selling author and book talk viral author of the Twisted Love series, the King of Sin series, Miss Wong, got it going on, okay? Make sure to check out King of Sloth by Anna Wong. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. All right, we're going to come out of the gate hot here. These are just in chronological order of when I heard about them. Reverse chronological order. Okay, that's that's the only order this is in. So the first one, uh, Sarah Smarsh's new book. That might be all I need to say about it for both of us. Um, she wrote Heartland, which was a uh, subtitle, The Memoir of Working Hard and Being Broke in the Richest Country on Earth. She's from Kansas. She's a Kansan. She writes really interesting about class. Had a br- I think her breakout was this essay about um, having bad teeth, being poor and having yes. bad teeth. Oh, I had going to university. That. What a good piece. Uh, yeah. I remember it very distinctly. And I think got um, Heartland as a, as a not too indirect consequence of that or some other writing that she got afterwards. So I'm in for any, I'm in for anything. And I think you're anything smart is going to do. But what if I told you her next <laughs> book is called, she comes by at Natri Dolly Parton and the <laughs> woman who lived her songs, a personal wide ranging examination of Parton's career as a voice for poor working class and undervalued women. How about them apples to start Rebecca Shinsky? I'm deeply in your beloved. Michelle is probably the only person yes. more excited about this <laughs> than I, I am but I don't know if you know this but Michelle and I have a long-running thing of texting each other Dolly Parton related news I know I know this because <laughs> I get it I get it um third hand okay yeah, yeah I'm I'm so so in yeah Sarah Smarsh mm. kind of rose to I remember the essay about teeth and then on the heels of the 2016 election when everyone was just like mystified by flyover states mm-hmm. and life in the Midwest um her work and I was still on Twitter at the time and what she um, was doing on Twitter her journalism was really meaningful and just thoughtful so smart Heartland is wonderful Dolly Parton I think deeply underappreciated and not taken nearly seriously enough until recent years perhaps um i'm super super in it does seem like and i i don't know why um but there has been a dolly's aunts over the last couple <laughs> years of like oh wait dolly parton isn't she is she the most interesting person alive maybe she might I, be yeah. i i think there's some uh much like there was coastal bias about oh trump i'm surprised there's coastal bias about dolly parton i think and it's not surprised that you and michelle who both are Dolly Parton stands of a certain age, if you don't mind me saying. Um, <laughs> uh, but between older, original Dolly Parton fans, sort of newfangled hipster Dolly Parton fans, is a 
it's a middle of the country phenomenon, largely, or people that once came from the middle of the country phenomenon. I'm not sure how many people grew up in New Jersey and lived there their whole lives. They're so like, oh, yeah, Dolly Parton. So there is a certain kind of bias in that regard. And I think Smarsh has a nose for that kind of thing because she also has written for big New York publications and blah, blah, blah. So she can do that inside out things that I think would be would serve a book like this very well. Yeah, I think Dolly Parton has just been the like Bermuda Triangle of so many things that don't get taken seriously that should like country music is so earnest that most people don't Mm -hmm. take it seriously. Dolly Parton is incredibly, incredibly talented wrote. I I think it was Jolene and I will always love you on the same day. Um, That's a crazy, that's a crazy stat. That's like John Keats writing the six most famous odes of all time in like a three week period. Just beautiful, smart, all the things that like when you put them together in the package of a woman lead to not being taken seriously and ahead of her time in so many ways. And I think also she doesn't try to take a lot of credit for stuff. So there's just this sort of like slow rolling discovery of all the amazing things that Dolly Parton has done. Man, I'm... I'm so excited. That's great news. Yeah, I, I didn't know about that one. Uh, we could end the show there, I think. But I don't think I'd, if you said, who would you like to write a Dolly Parton book? I might pick Sarah Smarsh. And oh. then if you ask me, what would you like Sarah Smarsh's next book to about, be about? I might pick Dolly Parton. So I don't, that, that means something, uh, I feel like. All right. So that's, that's a good start. I think this is, a, this, is a, this is an excellent follow-up. Maybe not quite as um, White Hot Center, but um, you and I both wrote, I don't know if we ever talked about it on the show. We talked about it together. Uh, the book wasn't, Perfect. I think it could have been better from a page turning point of view, but a really interesting book, The Personality Brokers by Merv Erme, um, which was about the my, the yes. invention and commodification <laughs> of the Myers Briggs personality a scam. test. It's a scam. It's a scam. Um, so Erme's new book is called Woman: colon, The History of an Idea, oh. a history of womanhood as it's been defined by literature, philosophy, science, and culture across the ages, from the Greeks to the present. Boy, I'm listening. I'm going to read this one too. I have to say, mm-hmm. I'm like two for two. I'm going to read both of these. So, what do you think about that? I uh, am interested. Like, mm-hmm. I think these big books about like what womanhood is or like history of feminism, they can kind of go either way, depending on like how I don't know scholarly or really how intersectional the author is going to be. So, I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, the personality brokers I thought was really interesting. I, I, I'm not sure. If I wanted to be more character-driven or more history-driven, I think maybe it ultimately became a little too history-driven where mm. the the central characters, the, the women, frankly, mm-hmm. uh, mother, daughter, who developed this, um, if you put them more forward, like in a, more of a hidden figures kind of a yeah, way, it didn't yeah. quite thread the needle like something like... Um, the immortal life of Henrietta Lacks did, where it really ping pong bef- between the human piece and the the idea piece. Um, and I guess the other thing is that there's no, there's maybe no center there. Like the Myers Briggs is a scam, so like ultimately, if it's, <laughs> is it should it be about a scam? But they didn't think they they didn't they see themselves as con artists. Yeah, it's kind of a, it, it is. Was, I don't know. I, there was something that didn't add up quite right to me. Yeah, I think I wanted the book to have more teeth or like a more of a mm. more of a critical eye about the development and wide use and just like how pervasive the Myers-Briggs right. has become like I feel like I'm perpetually that like well actually person when the MBTI yes. comes up with like yes. that it's a scam like these things like these personality things all do provide interesting language for you to relate to other people like I'm an ENTJ and you're an I and whatever um, but it's not it's not real. Like the Enneagram at least has some 
um, research behind it that is scientifically backed up to some degree. Um, mm-hmm. But the Myers-Briggs is a total scam. And I think I wanted the book that was like the expose of how the Myers-Briggs is a total scam. Right. Right. And there wasn't as much in the book about like a future present of the Myers-Briggs. Like, why is it that people still use this and sort of pe- put people on the hook Yeah, um, for like, like, why are we doing this still? Like people get jobs or don't get jobs based on how they yeah. perform on the Myers-Briggs. And it, it's it, BS. <laughs> right. And I read a bunch of business books and a lot of them, especially when talk about team building or leadership or whatever, like make sure you, your team does a Myers-Briggs or something like it so you can see what everyone's personality types, which again, it's like a lot of things where, okay, just talking about people's traits together and like exploring what your tendencies are is interesting, but it's, it doesn't differ in kind from astrology, frankly. It differs in degree, not really in kind. Like it's a substrate upon which to have a conversation, but don't mistake the canvas for the art, um, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So uh, interesting to see what she does here. I haven't seen a book quite like this where it sort of takes the idea in a broader is it going to be the the concern would be I think you're onto a little bit is is it going to be too academic for mm-hmm. a wider um, audience now does it give you any sense that this is a double day title in a significant deal to use the publisher's weekly so that's you know six figures I'm guessing it's supposed to be a people who read about feminism on the internet would maybe be interested in this book mm-hmm. not, not that there's anything wrong with that but that's the kind of sales you might expect um, rather than the people who um, had a minor in women's studies and are interested in still reading on it. Those are different, both important yeah, um, audiences, but different in terms of scale and tone of the book. I realized it's ringing some bells for me from a book I read years back called For Her Own Good by Barbara Ehrenreich mm, that gathers, right. the subtitle tells you everything you know, need to know. It gathers two centuries of experts' advice to women. And mm. it's Barbara Ehrenreich, so it does have some teeth where she's like, listen to this crazy thing that doctors in the <laughs> 20s told women was wrong yeah. with them. you know. Right. And I think that... Um, just a straight out academic, like here, just the facts, ma'am, history about mm. definitions of womanhood is interesting, kind of, but like some teeth and some critical perspective would be useful. So I'm I'm curious, I'll probably read this, but I'm it, it's not in our um, big deal, little deal, no deal. I think it's right. like a maybe a deal. Um. Okay, let's move along. I've been waiting for a while. And so when I saw this, I was very excited to see. Uh, Isabel Wilkerson has a new book coming out. Mm. Uh, we've long recommended The Warmth of Other Suns, um, mostly about the black diaspora from the industrial northeast and south, um, really more, I guess, more of the south than anywhere else, um, to other parts of the country. Uh, one of the great works of popular history that we've seen really since we've been doing this show at all, the new book is called Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents, exploring how America has been shaped by a caste system a rigid but unseen hierarchy of human rankings and divisions to Random House Publishing this summer, August, coming out this summer. Uh, This has potential to be a big deal, I think. Yeah. Like a a really important book. I think so, too. And especially as these class differences and differences in accessibility of Mm -hmm. like services and things that humans just need on a basic level are really like these are things that are always here but the differences are really coming to light while we're dealing with this pandemic um the isabel wilkerson not take specifically on the pandemic but on how did this how did these divisions get put into place and what props them up and let's take a look at it yes not going to be a fun read but an important Mm -hmm. one yeah 
I, I wouldn't have guessed this as because it's more of a meta topic than Warmth of Other Suns, which is pretty That's specific, true, even yeah. as wide ranging as it is. This is an idea that I, I would assume, kind of as you're intimating, that it will um, it will include race, but not be limited to race. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about gender and mental illness and um, abilities of different kinds and wealth and religion and intra-ethnic, like, you know, my, maybe yeah. even something like colorism within different um, racial communities as well. Could go a lot of different directions. I'll be curious to see how it's organized. Mm-hmm. Like, are the chapters about, are the chapters time-based or is it theme, topic, uh, behavior? I, I'd be so fascinated to see. Um, she's been working on it, I would guess. I don't have any other information, but I'm guessing she's been working on it since Warmth of Other Suns. So it's been five, six years now, mm-hmm. um, which in academic terms may not be that long, um, but in popular historian terms, it's a pretty good long time. One of the reasons it's hard to cover books like, I've always wanted to think about how to cover books like sports, you know, because oh, it's yeah. interesting. But the problem is your players only play every six years right. <laughs> a lot of times, right? You know, <laughs> And so it's very tough. Um, to cover it that way, and they don't compete against each other, and we don't know what the score is. So, in a lot of ways, it's the it's a really great metaphor. Um, it was a beautiful books. dream. Yeah, um, I I I couldn't resist telling you about the next one when I heard about it uh, because I'm only human. I don't know what to tell you. Um, it is. Uh, how to be good, a definitive answer for exactly what to do in uh. every possible situation by Mike Sure, the creator of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Parks, Recreation, and The Good Place. It combines humor and philosophy to determine how we should deal with the large and small ethical challenges we face every day, providing a journey through the 2,500-year discussion of ethics, explaining and poking fun at these grand ideas, and sketching a roadmap for how we ought I mean, to act. we conjured this book into existence when we did that episode about The Good Place. Maybe the secret is real, Rebecca. <laughs> Are we sure it's not real? If anything were going to get me to believe that I could manifest something, it would be the existence yes. of a Mike Shore book about ethics. Uh, I will be reading this. I don't know exactly. I, I realized something about myself today, Rebecca, as Tell I put this together. Well, Epiphanies on a Monday morning. Good look, job. Look, we, we know this to be true. Like the old phrase, you don't judge a book by a cover, and yet we all do. I want to know, how big is this book? What, what's the, is it a hardcover? Is, oh, it, mm-hmm. is it like a coffee table, like gimmick? You know what I'm saying here, right? Is it like a little half-size book yes. like you pick up for your dad at the cash wrap on, at Barnes & Noble before Father's Day? <laughs> because I'll buy that. Oh, totally. Don't get me wrong. If that's the, what this is, but I think I don't but, want that. No, I, I, I want the hardcover 340 yes, pages of prose. That is exactly what I want with like a different okay. chapter about each major yes. ethical philosopher. Like I would read a serious, like a big serious academic book about ethics. I took a couple of great classes in college. I, like I like that stuff on an academic right. perspective, but I think the genius of Mike Shore, as we talked about with The Good Place, was getting people to tune in and watch 30 minutes a week of something that managed to make ethics both mm-hmm. like serious and funny and deeply relatable. And that's the, I think that's the um, bar that philosophy always has to clear is how do you get people to understand that philosophy isn't about highfalutin ideas? It really is about like, how are we supposed to live our lives and exist in this place together in the world? And to bring, Mike Shore brings it right back down into like human lived experience in a really grounded and funny and like humane way. And it's, I think I'm so ready like I'm yeah. so ready. It's going to be great. There's a you're right that that clearing the philosophy clearing the hurdle of making it 
feel accessible, not mm-hmm. be accessible or, or whatever. There is a genre of that that we see come around from time to time, like the Tao of Pooh or the philosophy in Calvin and Hobbes, or like which is fine, but that's more of a I don't even know. I feel like that's sticky. Yeah, and like don't water, at me, but yeah, yeah, water and like down, water right. down. Yeah, and Mike Shore, I I trust him to not water these things down, but also to not be heady just for the sake of being heady. Yeah, I'd be fascinated to see how this is organized too. Would it be, I could see a version of it like being like um, What If by Randall Monroe where he <laughs> takes a kind of an absurd situation but then uses that absurd situation to actually understand a kind of an interesting yeah. idea whether it's fluid dynamics or friction or something yeah, else. Yeah, like or that. I can see like a breakdown of maybe like the 20 most frequently discussed like ethical philosophy questions, you know, like what is the Kantian imperative and what is like, what is the trolley problem? What is a utilitarian approach? Mm. Um, those, I think that would be really interesting. Or maybe taking like common everyday ethical dilemmas and then saying, how would Socrates versus John Stuart mm, Mill versus someone yeah. else sort of argue this thing out might be fun too. A lot of different ways it could be good. Go, I'm, I'm getting greedy by thinking exactly <laughs> what format I want it to be. But you know what? Dare to dream. This is a space of possibility yeah, and wonder. Yes, I'm very excited. Um, on that note, let's do another sponsor before we keep moving. Today's episode is brought to you by Song of the Silks Realms by Judy Eyelid. Shi Wei is a talented young musician who was orphaned at a young age. Her sole family is a kindly uncle, but then her uncle is killed, and she is, of course, devastated. With no family and no patron, Shi Wei is facing the possibility of a lifetime of servitude playing the chin. Then one night, she is unexpectedly called to perform for the enigmatic Duke Meng. He surprises Shi Wei further with an irresistible offer. Serve as a musician in residence at his manor for one year, and he'll set her free of her indenture. But the Duke's motives become increased increasingly more sus when he and Shuei barely survive an attack by a nightmarish monster. It's like, what, <laughs> what's going on here? So this book is a sweeping epic romanticy that follows a talented young musician who is swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young Duke. And who doesn't want to be swept away to the celestial realm by an enigmatic young Duke? She's living all our dreams, honestly. Make sure to check out the new book. And thanks again to Song of the Six Realms by Judy Eileen for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo. This is one I'm actually super excited about. I liked Lee Bardugo's other adult fantasy books. And so I'm really looking forward to this one. It's set in the Spanish Golden Age during a time of high stakes political intrigue and glittering wealth. It follows Luzia, a servant in the household of an impoverished Spanish nobleman who reveals a talent for little miracles. Her social climbing mistress demands Luzia use her gifts to win over Madrid's most powerful players. But what begins as simple amusement takes a dangerous turn. Luzia will need to use every bit of her wit and will to survive even the help of Guillén Santangel, an immortal familiar whose own secrets could prove deadly for them both. So The Familiar by Lee Bardugo is on sale now. And like I said, it's a must read of the season. It's perfect for anyone who loves history, a little bit of magic, a lot of danger. You can get your copy now at LeeBardugoTheFamiliar.com. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of The Familiar by Lee Bardugo, for sponsoring this episode. Um... I am concerned that the next one oh, no. is just me. Okay. 
So if there is one person that is not, I guess someone else signed the deal. Someone else wrote the book and someone signed it. And someone took this person on as an agent. So there's at least four of us. But here we go. Um, pop culture author Joe Berkowitz's American Cheese pitched as cork dork for the cheese world. I'm in. I'm in on audio. Setting a calendar reminder. I'm in. You know what? I think I'm in too. I loved. Yes, Cork you Dork. are. <laughs> yes, I loved you are. Cork Dork. I love an like experiential memoir or like a stunt journalism kind of moment. I don't know the full pitch for this book, but like the setup of Cork Dork is she's like, how does a person become a sommelier, and can I right. fi- can I do it in a year? And there it starts off as this like looky loo sort of you know outsider jumping in like they lick rocks like what are they up to <laughs> and like what is the cheesemonger's version of rock licking i need to know <laughs> i think we missed a real opportunity for to rename cheesemonger smelliers but that's a whole different <laughs> conversation i was just thinking fromagier yeah that's pretty good um so smelliers. exploring the subculture around artists and cheese from farmers and mongers to retailers and aficionados over the year leading up to America's first ever best of show win in the World Cheese Championship. Oh, I'm so glad the World Cheese Championships are a thing. It's so amazing. I'm, um, I'm in if this is any, if it actually lives up to the comp, if it is like cork dork for the cheese world. And I, I just deeply hope there are puns. There have to be puns uh, in a cheese book. There, It either has to be rife with puns or completely serious. There's no <laughs> in between here. Right. You either, you either have to do the whole thing. Um, also, sometimes if you know enough about the world of books and reading when down to the publisher and imprint level, sometimes you can glean tonality mm. and sort of where this mm-hmm. pitched. Again, I'm not an expert all the way down, but this is a Harper Perennial title, which oh, yeah. generally okay. is pretty mainstream, right, Rebecca? <laughs> yeah, like this yeah. is a mainstream kind of a thing, mm-hmm. probably. Yeah, pretty mainstream. Harper Perennial does a lot of, or maybe even exclusively paperback originals. Um, so that tells you something too about price point and accessibility. And they do tend to be like fun, commercially yeah. like commercially positioned books, but also with substance. There's not just like total fluff happening. And I think, yeah, I think that bodes well for mm-hmm. the cheese book. <laughs> Um, the next one is a, a friend of the friend of the show, uh, and I, I don't, something about this um, I don't want to get too homers really struck me as something I'd like to read. I don't read YA that often, mm-hmm. but there's a certain kind of nerdy YA that I will uh, read and like. Um, so this is our friend Eric Smith's next book called mm. um, "You Can Go Your Own Way" about a boy trying to save his family's aging pinball arcade. I love <laughs> pinball. And a girl whose tech giant dad wants to buy it. And the two get stuck together during a big snowstorm in Philadelphia. I have been stuck in a big snowstorm in Philadelphia. Eric, of course, is from Philadelphia. Has ever seen. And they'll have to work it out to make it out and Mm. make out together. So shouts to Eric and his new book. But that sounds delightful. That does sound delightful. I love a sort of like confined spaces romance. And so I'm I'm in already. I'm like these two teens are stuck in a snowstorm (laughs) together, but add pinball. And that sounds fun. And I hope there's a Who's Tommy reference. And Mm -hmm. Eric always has great musical pop culture stuff incorporated into his book so i'm i'm in for that too the title i assume is a fleetwood mac yeah i don't know Mm -hmm. it doesn't say when this is set but i'm sure it's an 80s or 90s sort of thing and there's kind of a you've got male dna like pinball arcade indie Mm -hmm. big thing save it you know um you are alone read uh kind of a vibe going on there so that's coming out 
fall 2021. So next next fall from Inkyard Press. Oh, here's an interesting one. Um, this the book's called Learning to Fly by Rodney Stotts, and it's pitched as an urban H is for hawk. Oh. In which a master falconer and modern day conservationist chronicles his coming of age story on one of the most lethal blocks of Washington D.C.'s in the 90s. And the life change experience cleaning out Maryland's forgotten Anacosta River, along with sharing the story of his son, a DC firefighter, now also seeking to become a master falconer. Coming what? of age, father sons, falcons, America, dinner winner, <laughs> falcon dinner. I don't know that there is such a thing as an H is for Hawk comp in my heart. Yes. Like, I, that's dangerous. It's a dangerous thing right. to try to sell me something else as H's for Hawk because I just love that book so deeply and it means so much to me. But I do love a story about here's how nature saved me. Mm-hmm. And it feels like this has that perspective. Also, urban falconing. How does that even yes. work? I, the, you know what? It's a target rich environment, I would imagine. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's not a press I know. Which doesn't necessarily mean anything. Island Press, have you heard of that? Mm, I don't know. Not off the um, top of my head. And uh, audiobook rights were immediately sold separately, so I don't. There's going to be an audiobook version, which is probably what I would do there. But I just thought of like H's for Hawk, but in Washington D.C. in the '90s, mm-hmm. it's like The Wire plus H's for Hawk. I my brain almost can't handle. <laughs> yeah, I, I have can't a, figure it out. So I need to. I need. I need to read it. I, I have a lot of questions, and I'm curious yeah. enough to get answers to them. Um, speaking of the things only I might care about, um, <laughs> Jillian Cantor's Beautiful Little Fools, pitched as Big Little Lies meets The Great Gatsby, a reimagining the classic novel that delves into the women's stories. I've always wanted to write this, and someone else did mm-hmm. it, so now I've got to shut up and read this one. Um, so this is coming out. doesn't say, but it's also Harper Perennial. Harper, is that okay. paperback originals? Harper I'm Perennial pretty sure it is back? paperback originals. Yeah. Um, meaningfully uh great gatsby comes into the public domain next year so you can actually mm. use all the things because harper um simon and schuster i think was the rights holder to great gatsby um until january 1st of this year so this might be if had been in the drawer for a while so they can now use the character names and everything else at harper without getting on uh, sns's turf unless that is harper harper buys Simon & Schuster, like we thought, and then it's all for naught, and they could have done this five years ago anyway. Wow, that was a journey. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just kept going there. Um, IP for the win. Uh, I'm really looking for... Jillian, can that name sound familiar? But I didn't look up any previous work, so does that name sound familiar? I think I used to follow her on Twitter when I was on okay. Twitter. When you, um, when you followed people on Twitter? When I, back when I followed people on Twitter. Um, I'm interested in this. I think I'll probably wait for you to read it because I like knowing how these modern takes on classics go, but I don't yeah. usually read them myself. And it's not just, um, just, that sounds diminutive, which I don't really mean to be. It, 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 it goes beyond the telling the same story from the point of view of someone else in the novel. Apparently it takes place before, during, and after mm. as a, detec- a detective investigates the fates of these women. Oh, we all interesting. Know okay. So that's the they, Big Little Lies Yeah, connection. that's the Big Little okay. Lies piece. Because um, I'd never really thought about this, but what do the cops think? The de- when the, like, <laughs> like the 10 minutes after they show up, they're like, what in the hell happened here? Yeah, and you know all the emotional junk that what's on. So seeing someone try to untangle... 
the emotional topography that led them to um, be pushed off and push themselves yeah. off this particular cliff might be interesting as well. Yeah, that's a cool perspective. I'm really yep, interested cool in that perspective. now. All right. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. This one was like instantly on this list in like seven sentences. Um, former Knopf assistant editor Zakia Delalia Harris is the other black girl pitched as younger meets get out with a dash of such a fun age. Oh, stop. About the chaos, about the <laughs> chaos that unfurls when two young black women meet in the starkly white environment of Wagner books covering the all too real struggles of being a black woman in a largely white industry that happens to be an industry we work in. And here it is, seven figure deal at auction. Rebecca yes. Chisney, that's what we like to hear. I do like to hear that. Right now I am that gif of the baby just like throwing dollar bills out the window. <laughs> <laughs> just shut up and take my money. Younger meets such a get fun age and get such, out. Get out, yes. Yes, yes. And younger, I think, like, if you had told me that there was going to be, like, a cute romantic sitcom set in the world of publishing and that people who didn't work in publishing would get it and love it, I would have been skeptical before younger. But I think this can Probably really... the advertising people said about Mad Men, right? They're like, what What are you guys yeah, do? Right. This isn't going to be a Yeah, but it, fest, it right. works. Publishing is... An interesting business, and it definitely has race problem. <laughs> so. Do you think Knopf, the people at Knopf, were excited to read this book? Her former colleagues. <laughs> I think that she's probably written a very good author's note about how um, yeah. all the names have been changed to protect the innocent. But I right. am a hundred percent here for this. Also, subsequently to this, um, the TV rights have been sold. Oh, up, great! Which is great. So this is. It doesn't have a publication date uh, in anything that I've seen. I hope it's soon. Um, Atria is the the publisher. Okay. And Atria... That's a well, Simon like imprint. It's yeah. a Simon imprint, so they, they jump ship from uh, uh, <laughs> Macmillan. Um, and I guess Atria, how... It's it can be commercial slash women's fiction sometimes yeah, to that's use right. mm-hmm. the unfair but useful category. No, I mean I think people. that's like what Atria does is yeah. commercial and women's fiction or what we used to call chick lit before we decided that we don't call things that anymore, thank goodness. Um yeah, I think it's gonna be great. And just as a side note for our listeners, um if you are interested in these sort of like dirty publishing stories. The first 30 pages of Uncanny Valley by uh, Anna Wiener, which the whole book is incredible, but most of it's about Silicon Valley. The first 30 pages, she works in publishing and it's like all the tea gets spilled all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think of everything I'm going to um, make you listen to, uh, <laughs> hear about right now, Rebecca, this has the best chance to be like the Reese's book club. Oh, totally. Oprah book club yes, pick, I, I hope so. And uh, I'm glad to see that such a fun age is now used to sell subsequent. What if the film rights went to Reese Witherspoon? I I think the Reese can pick it up. I think Reese can do Little Fires Everywhere because there's a Reese character. I guess I want, I don't know who, I I want this to be Kerry Washington's imprint, Mm. whatever her deal. Which black actress has their own um, production house? Whoever whoever should do that, if they could get this, I think probably makes... After watching um, the new High Fidelity, I hope it's Zoe Kravitz. Oh, I've heard that. I do want to... It's great. Anyway, we got to move on. We got other books to talk about. I don't know what to do with this next one. I had to put it on here. (laughs) I'm not sure if I will read it. It could be terrible. The preambles to these are so interesting. So it's called, the book is called Brood, B-R-O-D, by Jackie Polzin. Okay. Pitched for readers of Jenny Offal, I'm okay. listening, and Rachel Cusk, 
listening. Okay. About a woman struggling to keep four chickens alive <laughs> over the course of a brutal Minnesota winter <laughs> while grieving a recent miscarriage. Oh, boy. To a double day at auction. Okay. What, what, are, we, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> if it's funny in the way that Jenny Offal is funny. Do you think the chickens are the slobber frogs? Oh, maybe. Like it's just the thing you're doing while mm-hmm. you're having an existential walkabout, so to speak? Probably. And you're, you're stuck in winter in Minnesota. You got nothing better to do. Well, that's a good. Please don't die, chickens. It's a good place to put all of your anxiety and angst yeah. and sadness is on these chickens that you can tell yourself you can kind of control. Right. <laughs> yeah. Are the chickens the slobber frogs is a sentence that like four people in the world understand. <laughs> They've all been. Everyone's heard the show. They're all listening here. You know what call inside jokes on this show? Jokes. I'm that's, probably that's going to read this. I thought you might. I'm, I, this is when I'll need to see the reviews. Like if it's just too strange. I don't know. Like yeah, I don't, I'm not sure what I'm looking for. I There's think, a chance it's too strange for me. I, I think it's a tough sell because like, this is a sensitive Oh, really? Issue. A tough sell? Keeping chickens alive in Minnesota is a tough sell? Huh. Yeah, that's not a pitch that's gonna. Uh, <laughs> it's not a pitch that's gonna like get a one sentence blurb in People magazine, probably. Yeah, no, I, but I don't know. But like probably weather, not Oprah's book pick. But I could be wrong. <laughs> right, but weather is hard to blurb, and it's been all over the place. So I don't know. Yeah. Like I do have the luxury or privilege or position i guess of like these are issues that like i don't want to be a parent i've never wanted to yes. be a parent so i can read from a distance about this stuff and yeah um, the miscarriage part i was i was like yeah i'll give this a shot till miscarriage i'm like oh i need i need secondary i need to know something about that yeah I, yeah i will miscarriages be are very difficult and blah 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 not to blah 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 but like I'm not sure I need to live yeah. in that. Um, I can be the little so. chicken in the cold mine. <laughs> yeah, right. You can see you can uh, you can see where these chicks hatch um, for us. But I, I had to put it on there because the awful shout and then um, chicken. I, I do love an existential crisis, a women's existential crisis novel. So, I'm speaking of, that. might be too little, a little too weird. I guess we're going to do a run of these again. This is how that shook out. Um, this author is called Rachel Yoder, <laughs> and the title is Night Bitch, um, <laughs> in which a former artist, now stay-at-home mom, becomes convinced she's turning into a dog. Hmm. The, going to Doubleday, I'm, maybe I'm thinking like, is it satirical like Kafka's Metamorphosis, something mm. like that? Or mm-hmm. is it more horror? Uh, it, I don't know. I I kind of thought it was interesting. Like, I, the, if it's like metamorphosis, I'm like, oh, I could see how this might be interesting. An existential crisis played out as a, a hallucination mm-hmm. uh, of a different kind. Um, I'm interested. It's Doubleday, so yeah. that's generally pretty mainstream. Pretty commercially, yeah. Pretty commercially. Uh, what what like are your, your read, thoughts there? I feel like I've read something else by Rachel Yoder. But now okay. I can't remember what it was. Um, my thoughts are: I need more information. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. We need someone. We need the what the royal taster. Oh, Liberty, the royal tasters, right? At the king's court, they would eat to make sure the wine isn't poison. Yeah, we need some royal tasters to 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 take a flyer uh, on that for us too. Uh, next up, memoir. There, there, more fiction crept in than I thought, but there's still a lot of memoir okay. nonfiction on my list. Um, Kendra James's Onboarding, A Black Girl's Guide to Navigating Race, Relationships, and Mess While Surviving at a New England Boarding School. Yes. I know you love a New England Boarding School. I know you love a memoir. 
I'm interested in this, but this is more for you. A yes. humorous and woke look at her years as the first African-American legacy to graduate from the Taft School. Yes. Grand Central, at auction, no publication date. No hesitation on my <laughs> I part. <didn't> so. <laughs> I do love a boarding school memoir and like the outsider's perspective on mm-hmm. a very insidery experience, but especially when that perspective is as loaded as being a black person in such a historically white and waspy privileged space like usually or often these kinds of stories can have can also have that like look at a train wreck perspective to them and i feel like just depending on what the voice is that kendra james brings to it this could be funny it could be ragey it could be all of the above um probably very revealing in ways that people wish were not revealed but um also stories that are important to tell i'm here for it yes Humorous and woke is a nice phrase. Also, uh, Kendra James is a former editor at Shondaland, which might give you a sort of mm-hmm. sense of her sensibility. Now, it doesn't mean it proscribes it necessarily, but it might be indicative of something. Like that. This next one is for you, too, though. I think I will read the next one as well. Um, Jane Zangline's The Girl Explorers. This is nonfiction mm-hmm. about a remarkable group of globetrotting women in the early 20th century who formed a female adventurer society <laughs> and trekked, flew, and fought their way around the world. I'm feeling very known. <laughs> of female adventurers who trekked flew and fought their way around the world. Yes. What did they fight? I need to know. They, they fought the patriarchy. Obviously. And jet lag. <laughs> I'm guessing. Malaria occasionally. I'm guessing they could drink a little bit. Yeah. I'm just oh, guessing. Yes. Uh, y- yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't know I what else to say. Like yeah. I... I don't know what else to say. This sounds perfect. And if REI or National Geographic plan mm. like a group trip that follows this path, I will go on it. Um, I, again, that sounds great. I, I also had the feeling of, I describe the feeling. I always feel this way about reading about books coming out. Um, it's kind of like the presence under the tree before Christmas morning. Yeah. yeah. You know, like whatever's in them kind of can't be as good as the possibility of what's in them. Does that make sense? Totally. I always feel that way about reading these kinds of blurbs. Like, some of these books could be great, but they probably can't be all be as great as I feel like they, I hope they yes. are. The and idea... it's nothing specific about this book, I have to say. I, yeah, yeah. I, it's I shouldn't not like, say it's anything about this book. It's not personal to these books, but it's like the yeah. idealized concept of what I want the book with this pitch to be. Right, right. <laughs> and what, right. It, what that perfect version could be like to read is always more exciting than like the whole process where early reviews start coming out and people Mm -hmm. have opinions. And unless you can really insulate yourself from knowing like specifically what happens or reading one of the essays that gives the thing away, like the, it just does get a little bit eroded. The only thing that comes close in my reading life is like the 20 minutes of magical mystery between when I'm like in a bookstore while I'm traveling and I ask someone Mm. to recommend me something that I've never heard of and they give me a great pitch and I buy the book and then you know for the 20 minutes between that and when I get back to the hotel and start reading it I'm like this is going to be amazing (laughs) right right. because the potential is that you read I don't know something that stays with you forever like Gilead right just right yeah like this becomes one of your things it's always possible that it could be that but we know from having done this that the chances of that happening are like one in 500, yeah. maybe and, less at this point. Books, so it's, it's like, possible, but it's not fair. And it's so hard to predict what's going to land yes. and have that kind right. of lasting impact. Like, I just, 
like to use the Gilead example, I picked it up off of a paperback favorites mm. table or like an award winners paperbacks table in college at a Borders. And like all I knew was that it had won awards. I didn't know anything about it. No one had given me the pitch. And I think if someone had given me like mm. like 22 year old me, if somebody had given me that pitch about like it's this old pastor and he's writing about his life, I might not have been like, oh, yes, this book is going to change my life. Like 37 right. year old me would probably pick that book up from you. But there are things right. that it's just better to go into blind and the like this fun anticipation of just thinking about what the ideal version of these books would be is one of those moments there's the other thing too uh, like one with this extended metaphor um when i was a you know chris christmas is never as fun when you're a kid and for me when and my brothers when we were kids the thing was video game systems that was the, mm-hmm. the the ark of the covenant from indiana jones for what could be under the christmas tree and here's the thing you're not going to get six of them right so there's only one and mm-hmm. even if you get the very thing you want, and it is what you want, it still somehow isn't a hundred percent of your excitement isn't realized. You know, there's some kind of uh, there's some kind of uh, frictional expense of just being excited, and then the thing is there, and then you're actually playing it. It's still great, it's still fun, but somehow never quite as good as your your sort of. Um, December 23rd imaginings <laughs> yeah. um, are in their own way. Anyway, so that was a bummer of a, a side note. Anyway, I'm still excited about all these. <laughs> Here's one where my expectations are pretty low. I'm not even sure I'm going to read this. Okay. It's not the kind of thing I would normally read, but I had to put it on here because I was like, oh, maybe it's maybe it's the world we're in. But Alexis Hall's Winner Bakes All, first shouts to puns, a romantic comedy except the backdrop of a British baking reality show. I don't know which one it could be. <laughs> to Air Me Pierpoint at Forever, which is, I think, kind of a commercial romantic sort of. Like, it's yeah. not, I don't think it's a straight ahead um, romance imprint. I could be wrong. It's a three book deal. So if you like the first, you're going to get two more of them. I was like, you know what? If that was in my hands right now, I, I might read this. And I like the idea of it. So there you go. Yeah, that sounds sweet. Not my usual reading flavor, but Mm -hmm. I think that's probably going to do well. Yeah. And also, um, replacement British baking show. uh, You can't see me doing air quotes right now. (laughs) One thing about British baking show that we may be talking about right now that they probably can't reference directly for um, IP (laughs) reasons is one thing they don't play up the they don't play up a um, will they won't they angle for we don't know anything about the couplings that must surely have happened on some of these yeah shows. that's a so that's, that's a great point so an unexplored um uh, uh shelf in the uh, kitchen of british <laughs> baking reality show uh here's what i'm so glad to see is coming out because we 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 didn't talk this into existence because this work has to have been going on for a while but when we were talking about up American dirt and its blind mm-hmm. spots. We were saying, you know, one version of this we hope to see is a nonfiction, like follow a family. Yes. Um, so Victoria Blanco's Out of the Sierra, pitched at, in the style of Catherine Boo's wonderful Behind the Beautiful Forever, mm. which follows the Gutierrez family from the Sierra Madre Mountains to Oasis, the largest government-funded indigenous re- settlement in northern Mexico, serving to elevate the stories of displaced um, and interrogate the systems and history that causes people's displacement through poverty through the lens of indigenous resistance, identity, race, and climate change. Um, coming out from Coffee House uh, at auction. Doesn't say when it's coming out, but he reported um, boots on the ground, following a true story, doing the work. Catherine Booth's Behind the Beautiful Rebels, if you don't know it, is she spent, I think it was a couple of years, living in one of the most impoverished neighborhoods in Mumbai, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think it was Mumbai. Um, and 
humanizing and grounding the stories um, and, and larger geopolitical, social, and cultural forces. It's an incredible in book. Very specific, it's an incredible book. Um, and I can only hope that Out of the Sierra does anything like Catherine Beautif Behind the Beautiful Evers does. I will be reading this book. Um, yes. 1, I hope Oprah picks this one. <laughs> That's couldn't have said it better um, myself. Uh, I think we did all our, we, we got, I think we have one more ad spot here at the end. This episode is sponsored by The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy. Robbie and Trevor Cressmont have enough wealth to ensure they'll never be found guilty of any wrongdoing, even if everyone believes they're behind the deaths of their ex-girlfriends. Let us all take a collective angry sigh at that. Lauren O'Brien, the new girl at school, has a dark past of her own, and she's desperate for a fresh start. Except when she starts a relationship with Robbie, her chance is put in jeopardy. During what's meant to be their last weekend together, Lauren stumbles across evidence that might just implicate Robbie. And after a third death rocks the town, she must decide whether to end things with Robbie or risk becoming another cautionary tale. This is an edge-of-your-seat YA thriller that's perfect for fans of Karen McManus and Holly Jackson. Make sure you pick that up now wherever books are sold. And thank you once again to The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy for sponsoring today's show. Today's episode is brought to you by Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters. Troubled Waters is an intimate portrait of two generations, a granddaughter and a grandmother, coming to terms with what it means to be family, black women, and alive in a world on fire. In heartfelt lyrical prose, Mary Inez Hegler weaves an unforgettable story of the climate crisis, black resistance, and the enduring power of family. Narrated by Janice Abbott-Pratt and written by climate justice writer Mary Anise Hegler, the Troubled Waters audiobook is available everywhere May 7th. It follows Corinne as she plans to stage a dramatic act of resistance and peels back the scabs of her family wounds and puts her safety in jeopardy. Both grandmother and granddaughter must bring their unspoken secrets into light to find a path to healing. Known for her essays that dissect and interrogate the climate crisis, drawing heavily on her personal experience as a black woman with deep roots in the South, Mary Inez Hegler brings us her first work of fiction titled Troubled Waters. Make sure to pick it up. Thanks again to Harper Muse, publisher of Troubled Waters, for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> Okay, we're running a little bit long. I, I, we can get to the end here. I've only got a couple more. Um, this is Latanya McQueen's When the Reckoning Comes, about a black woman who's called back to her hometown to attend an fr old friend's wedding. We love getting the band back we together. We do. It's been a while since we've had a good band yep. gets back together book. Held on a plantation that was once rumored to be haunted by the slaves who perished on the grounds <laughs> and the racial tension that arises throughout the weekend. So it's the again band back together with a horror with a sort of like, um, we've heard, you know, the the, the, mar the weddings that happen on plantations is a fraught. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, I don't think it's fraught. I think it's just bad now at this point. <laughs> I don't think it's moved beyond fraught. Um, kind of a habit that some people have gotten into that other people have said, you know, maybe not so much with that. But taking sort of a, almost a um, etiquette faux pas and making it historical horror mm -hmm. thing kind of sounds amazing to me. Yep. So I'm hoping this is really good. Super into this idea. Yeah, really cool idea. What, that's When the Reckoning Comes by Latanya McQueen. What a good title, too. I think so, too. Also a Harper Perennial, so it'll give you some sense of what that is coming out. Um, no publication date on that. Then my last one um, 
is also specifically maybe to you and uh, maybe other people out there like Kim's Convenience. Um, uh, let's see. Simu Lu's We Were Dreamers, a humorous and heartfelt memoir about his complicated childhood, including the weight of an immigrant family expectations, his odds-defying journey from accounting to Hollywood, <laughs> and the life lessons learned from his parents' sacrifices in love. Uh, yes. William Morrow, Fall 2021. Simu Lu um, plays Zhang on Kim's Convenience. He's great. He's also got cast uh, as Shang Kai. Um, in, in, in the Marvel, you know, I don't know if he's going to get his own movie. He's going to be part of the next wave, but mm-hmm. he's going to be a big, you're going to see him on it's giant screens and multi hundred million. He is a good looking, charismatic, really funny, good actor. Um, who I'm glad to see is going to get the glow up that comes along with yep. the Marvel thing. But also interesting that he wants to write a book and tell a story in anticipation of this. I think is very yeah. indicative of something, but I'm going to be very interested to see what this is. Yeah, I cannot wait to listen to this on audio. That is yes, my preferred, that's what I was thinking too. It's my preferred mode of celebrity memoir. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I love it when a celebrity memoir is not a memoir about being a celebrity, but about the person's life. Um, and I think you're right that he he must have been pitching this book and working yeah. on it, you know, for a couple of years, at least in the run up and to be wanting to tell his story and getting this out now and not like, oh, let's hold on and wait until after my first Marvel movie comes out and then capitalize mm-hmm. on it mm-hmm. um, does, you know say something to me at least about the value that he's placing on the story i really really like him he's a great follow on instagram too just fun and funny Ah. and kim's convenience is so sweet if you are in need of like a comfort watch on your quarantine netflix that has like there's you know some really good it's like stealthily progressive in the way that canada Mm. can be (laughs) and just good family dynamic funny stuff kim's convenience is hard to beat i think yeah, um, so that's the end of my official picks. Can I do three lightning round, just sort of honorable mentions um, real quick? Please. Is that okay, Rebecca? Um, yeah. Oh, now, now I've said three and there's a billion. Okay, I'll, I'll stick it to three. <laughs> One is um, a memoir from Jamie Attenberg, A yep. Trip to the End of mm-hmm. the World, a memoir that traced yep. her journey as a Gen X woman who has made unconventional choices in life and love, how writing saved her along with an untitled novel. So the, the one here is A Trip to the End of the World. Mm-hmm. You know Jamie a little bit. I don't know her at all, but I know her by proxy. This book is probably going to be juicy from what I hear. Oh, guess, yes. I guess. Yep. Um, she mentioned it insiders. once on Instagram a couple months ago, and I was like, okay, I'm here. <laughs> yeah, she wrote All This Could Be Yours and The Middlesteens, two um, very well-regarded mid-list novels. She hasn't had her breakout book that I feel like I'm kind of waiting to happen, and maybe maybe this will be mm. it. Yeah, it's um, definitely going to be juicy. I'm so in for this debut author it's always hard to know so uh, one thing i learned too is that when the debut collection of short stories announcements hard to get excited about any of them because they all kind of sound the same about you know exploring (laughs) the intersection of loss and relationships and learning to think about whatever so anyone that breaks i'm sorry this is what it's like some of them are very good some of them are very good but when one catches your eye that's different than that it's worth Uh noticing this so this one is um uh, Nana Nikwedi's Like Walking on Cowrie Shells, a mm. collection of stories that mixes Cameroonian American culture with zombie outbreaks in comic books. So, uh, congratulations, um, Nana. <laughs> you got us to notice. Um, Was not your expecting blurb. the second half of that blurb. <laughs> so, there's, there's culture, there's pop culture, and then zombies. Uh, Great. All together there. So, that's coming out for Good Gray title, Wolf. too next spring yeah it's a really good title and lastly look i find things interesting 
and I've 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 long plumbed the depths, searching for is it the nadir? Maybe it's the zenith. It could mm. be the top. It could be the bottom. I don't know where I is. Am. This like a history of paper clips or something? <laughs> of it's called uh, the Lapapisa sweater. Okay. A ten-stop circumnavigation of Iceland's Ring Road in search of the country's most iconic article of clothing. Okay. With travel tips and knitting patterns to match each adventure. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I can't control it. I'm interested in this. I'm here for the circumnavigation of Iceland. I Iceland's most famous sweater? And and I'm still interested? What? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's, I don't know what to say, but I am interested in that. Coming out November 2021 from Stackpole. Okay. Probably a crafty, focused thing. Um, Are you going to learn to knit? No. I don't <laughs> learn about I learn to do anything I read about. That's why I read about them. <laughs> okay. just I'm just checking. Uh, I thought I had one more. Lori Gottlieb has new books coming out. Maybe oh, great. we should talk to someone about couples, which is sounds good. Come on, come on, come on. No, 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 no. Yeah, I think I think that I think that does it for us. Oh, oh here it is. This I knew there was another one. Um, the Babies Babysitters Club Generation: Growing Up Bookish and Bossy with the Iconic Series, an anthology of essays and illustrated pieces celebrating the beloved and best-selling book series with a whole bunch of people we've heard about i'm not sure i will read all of these but i will pick this up and look through the titles and see which of these are interesting it's yes sneakily kelly kelly's written about this before um and when we did annotate the episode mm-hmm. about it and every time we have something related to the babysitter babysitters club on the site um so many people raise their hands saying oh my gosh that was so influential and such a big part of my young person's reading life there so that's my last one that yeah that'll be fun coming out it's coming out from chicago review press rebecca thank you so much for letting me throw spaghetti at you oh this was Um, good spaghetti and i'm just my brain is like way back at being excited about dolly parton still i know right the end is in the beginning um for that maybe we'll do this from time to time so this these are just announcements that i found out about from january to yesterday basically so that's just three months worth Mm -hmm. of announcements so we could always come back um Emails, podcast at bookwrite.com. Get those moms, dad, grads, recommendation stories in. You can still vote for um, Book Nerd Movie Club, but let me tell you, unless you vote early and often uh, to use the old Chicago voting system, you ain't going to, probably not going to overcome our leader right now, and I'm not going to say it, but we have a really four to one in terms of the votes leader right now. Not one that I think, it wasn't the one I was expecting. Rebecca and I both picked one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is all very abstruse and uh, cloak and dagger, needlessly so. But just go ahead and vote. Um, we're going to probably close that voting by the next episode. As always, you can find show notes, bookwrite.com slash listen. And Rebecca, we will talk to you later. Yeah, have a good one. Mm-hmm.